gonna be just like senior year, except for funner. Hey guys, I'm Kendra. Hi everyone, I'm Mercedes, and this week we're talking about the ultimate bridesmaid in 27 Dresses. The best movie ever. But of course, when you finish, we have to kick it off with our celebrity crush of the week. Who are you crushing on this week? Okay, so Brockhampton had their final show as a group on Saturday at Coachella Weekend 2. So all 13 of them are my crushes of the week because I love them and I send love to all my boy bands out there. I, I adore them. Mercedes, you, I swear you teach me so much. I, I, I heard of Brockhampton, did not know that yeah. was a group, thought it was a one person type of thing. It- yeah. <laughs> the joke is like, who's Brock? But- <laughs> I love that. Okay. So I just got back from a wedding in Atlanta. And I'm also currently watching season three of the TV show Atlanta. Ooh. And so I, I, the whole time I was over there, I was just thinking about the show. So I would say my crush of the week is Chris Davis, who plays Tracy in Atlanta. Because I think he's hilarious. And I also met him in real life at a tattoo parlor of all places. Oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah, and he asked, he asked me like how I recognized him. And I was just like, I... He has one of those faces because he was wearing a mask. And also, too, I am such a celebrity magnet. I can spot if there's a celebrity within, like, a 20-foot perimeter, like, I will sniff you out. You know, real recognizes real. So. <laughs> exactly. That's no, right. he literally had a mask, like, covering his whole face. And he was like, how'd you recognize I was just like, I just I just do. It's just your, it's just your presence. It's your aura. Man. It's your aura. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys, we are going to swing into the TLDR. This is just a time where we like to recap the movie for anyone who has not seen it. Warning, there are spoilers ahead. And if you have not seen this movie, you can stream it on HBO Max. All right, let's get into it. <laughs> From a very young age, Jane, played by Katherine Heigl, has understood that the one thing she's good at are weddings. Thank goodness for that because she's in a ton of them, even multiple on the same day. See, Jane has a lot of friends and is constantly a bridesmaid. At one of her weddings, she meets Kevin, played by the ever-so-handsome James Marsden, who is a journalist who writes about, you guessed it, weddings. Kevin is actually a cynic, though, and doesn't believe in love. And his cynicism just really challenges Jane, especially because she herself is in love with her boss, George, played by Edward Burns. It's the classic story of unrequited love, though. Like, he's not interested in her. Things take a turn for the worse when Jane's younger sister, Tess, played by Malin Ackerman, comes into town. Tess is just so beautiful, and it takes absolutely no time at all for George to fall in love with her. Bad news for Jane, though, because now she's stuck planning her sister's wedding to the man she loves. The one constant in Jane's life, though, is Kevin's annoying presence. Like, he's just always showing up when he's least wanted. (laughs) He sees Jane as a ticket to get out of writing the commitment section and starts to draw closer to her to write a story about her. So when George and Tess get engaged, Jane starts seeing Kevin even more because it turns out he's writing a story about their wedding. The more time the two spend together, though, the more Jane starts to let loose and open up but maybe too loose because while caught in a storm and after a few drinks, Kevin and Jane do the dirty, only for everything to blow up when Jane discovers the article he's written about her. As if it wasn't already an uphill battle, Jane discovers that her sister, Tess, has completely ruined their mother's coveted wedding dress. This is a turning point for Jane. She learns to stand up for herself. She exposes her sister to George, forcing him to call off their wedding. She confesses her feelings to George and at the same time realizes that her true feelings lie with Kevin. So finally, after being a bridesmaid 27 times, Jane gets to finally be the bride. This this is a 2008 film written by Aileen Brosh McKenna, who created the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend that I never watched, but like was such a huge thing. Like every I I love it. Yeah, I I feel like everyone watched it. She also wrote the 2014 version of Annie. And get this, she wrote The Devil Wears Prada. Like arguably one of the best movies 
period. Just like, yeah. Can period. you imagine having that on your resume? Oh, yeah. God. Seriously, I would, I would flex that all the time. <laughs> I think it's one of her best works to date. This movie is directed by Ann Fletcher, who also did Step Up. Oh, we, yes. we love Step Up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she also directed The Proposal and The Guilt Trip. So there's a lot to unpack in this in this movie. And I feel like there's a lot of fun yeah. industry facts. So I know you got some from me, Mercedes. What do you got? Oh, my God. I got a few. So my first one is the writer, um, Aline Brosh McKenna, had a different plan for this movie altogether. She really wanted an ending where Jane is alone. And she really didn't want the romance to be a factor at all in this. She wanted Jane to just have like a self-actualization journey and really like learn how to tell people no and like really no longer be a people pleaser. But, you know, in the early 2000s, the studios were like, no, this needs to be a conventional rom-com. Yeah. Yeah. So we need that. Like she really described this movie as an and a man model, which is just that the romance takes the back seat. Like it's not priority compared to Jane's personal journey, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really interesting that the wardrobe department of this movie had such a hard time designing bridesmaid dresses oh for God, yeah. Catherine Heigl because of her figure. Just everything looked good on her. And so they they just like, I know what an amazing problem to have, but they were just like, know. struggling. So they kind of made like the dresses more ugly rather than like making the way that it worked on Catherine yeah. Heigl. Look ugly. So I just thought that was so funny. Like, yeah, they were some of them were crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was your favorite one? Did you have a favorite? Oh, dress? my God. I think my favorite one is like the Gone with the Wind one. I was like, who is having this as a theme at their wedding? <laughs> I like the L.A. wedding one with the very short. Oh, version. yes. The short one. Yeah, Because I saw that before I, I started living in L.A. and I was like, wait, I don't get it. <laughs> I get it now. I love that. <laughs> and Jane's character was actually inspired by McKenna, one of McKenna's friends, who was a bridesmaid at, t- at 12 different weddings. Oh, no. I know. Can you believe? I mean, I love my friends, but actually, like, I don't I don't know if I can do weddings anymore. Where I said it is. I'm like as a guest or like as a bridesmaid, just like just as a guest, even like and there's so much money, even there's just so guests. much money. And I'm like looking at my bank account and I'm like, how is it that all of my money is going towards other people? None of it towards me. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's totally yeah. Jane was probably having that same <laughs> yeah. revelation, and she had like a nice apartment too. And I was like, "How are you affording yeah. this and going to all of these?" Oh my. <laughs> when her sister's like, "This is tiny. This is cute." I'm like, "How dare you call that apartment tiny? Look at all her closet space." Seriously, you know. Okay, speaking of her sister, so Catherine Heigl is actually a few months younger than Malin Ackerman, who plays her little sister. And I thought that was oh, I didn't know. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're... That's I love when that happens. <laughs> that's so funny. I feel like it makes um, the, the the chemistry between the two a lot more authentic almost because it's like, hmm, I feel like it's because they're not, the age difference isn't actually there. Yeah. You really have to rely on on your, your skill of acting. They're really playing <laughs> it up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. And what's so interesting to me about this movie is that it really aligns, it came out in 2008 and it really aligns with this time where Catherine Heigl was honestly getting blacklisted in Hollywood and getting a lot of flack in the press for discussing really important topics like pay equity and sexism. But in 2008, people didn't want to hear it and she was labeled as difficult. So I just think it's a really good juxtaposition with this movie where Jane is learning how to say no and speak for herself. And Catherine Heigl was also being shamed for speaking up for herself. Yeah. To have a movie with this message of being like, no, take up space and like have your voice be heard. And then for her to be getting flack at the same time, it's 
it speaks volumes on its own. Yeah. You know, Mercedes, I've been thinking about this a lot because I actually met, met Catherine Heigl. She came in at one of my old jobs to pitch a show oh, wow. with her mother and she couldn't have been lovelier. She was so nice. Just like very appreciative, very complimentary. Like she she was great. And I wonder if it's time for us as an industry to formally apologize to her because she did get blacklisted for talking about yeah. things that we're talking about now. And it's like she was 100% right. Like even Ellen Pompeo came out recently and said that she was 100% right about everything. So Good. I'm glad people are finally like voicing it. Yeah. I mean, you're right. She deserves so much more recognition because she was trying to have these conversations years before they were actually becoming mainstream. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right, guys, we're going to move over into time capsule. We just like to recall where we were, what we were doing at the time that this movie came out. So I feel like I have the worst memory in the world because I never remember where I was or what I was doing when I saw a movie for the first time, unless it was like in theaters. So yeah, here's a fun fact about me. I've actually kept every single movie ticket since 2003. My very first, I know, my very first one was Drumline. And so good. Yeah. (laughs) And literally every single time I went into the theater and had to get like a a physical ticket, I've I've kept it. So I have like, that's amazing. I I don't even know how many I have. But I don't remember where I was when I first saw this movie, but I do remember where I was when I met James Marston. Yes. <laughs> tell us. Tell I us. I know. Okay. So when I first moved out to L.A., this, oh gosh, it was like literally right as I moved out here because I remember not, I went to, a, I went to this bar called Rockin' Riley's in West Hollywood and it was so fun and everyone would always go there. And I wasn't dressed like the cutest, but that's because I like didn't have any clothes. I had just got out of college. Right. I like, had exactly. no clothes. So I'm leaving, I, like, I go outside of Rock and Riley's, and James Marsden is there with a friend leaning on a freaking parking meter and just, like, talking with his friend. And there are so many people outside, and no one said anything. I walk <laughs> right up to him, like, beeline right up to him, and I was just like, James, you're, like, I'm very good around celebrities. Like, I don't get starstruck. I mean, I get starstruck by myself, like, in the moment. I don't get starstruck. I just go yeah. up, and I'm like, listen, you're, very, you're, an, you're an excellent actor. Thank you so much for your work. Like, things like that. Yeah, it was so nice. And we ended up talking and I told him that I had just graduated from Syracuse University. Turns out he's a he's an orange and he's a he's a fan. Oh he was he like really liked our, our basketball team or our football team. And so he talked with me about that for a little bit. And I got a picture with him and he just has the best smile. Uh, I like am pregnant thinking about his smile. He is so beautiful. <laughs> He has the best smile in the entire world. And I'm just thinking about how he, he literally put his his arm around me and Ugh, all of my oh, all of my wise gosh what a memory like that <laughs> smile is so captivating on screen so i can't even yeah. imagine in person and like yeah. up close wow 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 Ugh. i love that you've met both of the stars of this movie and they've both been awesome I like know. that makes me feel so happy i know <laughs> you know i will say i it's very rare that i have a bad interaction with a celebrity i have had them but it's very rare so i'm grateful yeah. for that i don't know if that's just me as a person, but or the capacity that I'm meeting them in because it's usually through work and so they're more professional okay. or whatever. So yeah, it's a it's a thing. I met I met this guest. Got me Judy Greer and Melanie Nickerman. Oh my I I love Judy Greer. I read her book and I just adore her. Well, she wrote a book. See, another thing you taught me today. Yeah. So where were you when you when you saw this for the first time? So I was twelve when this movie came out. I was in sixth grade and I've loved it since middle school. Anytime it was on because it was one of those that would play on like E and ABC Family all the time. Yeah. I'd watch it like any Saturday that it was on. I love it. And it also came out like a year after Hairspray came out. So just mm-hmm. James Marsden's impact on preteen me. <laughs> 
so at like such a peak moment where I was just like, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> like you just like don't even know like how to like feel because you're just like so overwhelmed by your own emotions. I love you. I love that. Um, okay. If we were talking about what else we were doing in, in 2008. So that was my sophomore year of high school, which arguably was my hardest year in school. I was taking AP World History and it was just kicking my butt. But also that was the year that I took driver's ed. So this is kind of a long story, but I, 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 have, a, I have a point to it, I promise. Okay. <laughs> so I had the biggest crush on this guy named Gabe. I sat next to him in driver's ed and I've just been thinking about him a lot lately because I used to write about him every single day in my diary. And I cannot find that diary to save my life, Mercedes. And I'm worried that it's like a diary that I had that I, I intentionally ripped up. And I'm worried that it was all of my issues were in that diary. And I'm no. going yeah, to be really sad if that's true. <laughs> if that's the case. Um, so the thing is, I was in this like friendship trio with Gabe and then my best friend at the time, Paige. Now, I thought that Gabe liked Paige because literally every person breathing liked Paige. She was one of those girls, just beautiful. Like she was really cool. Yeah. And everyone liked her and so we hung out a lot and it was i thought that was just kind of always a case that he liked her but then like as mm -hmm. i think about it he used to text me good morning every single morning yeah. and i remember telling him to stop because like one it would wake me up like he'd text me at like six in the morning i'd be like i'm not <laughs> and then two like i just i didn't want to like get in the way of him and Paige. like i don't think Paige liked him back but i just didn't i don't know why i felt like i just didn't want to get in the way and so I reconnected with Paige a few years ago and I was just like, do you remember Gabe? Do you remember like that whole thing and like all of us like hanging out and stuff like that? She's like, oh, yeah, Gabe liked you so much. And I was like, oh, wait, my what? <laughs> I was like, wait, he did? I've also I've always been so bad at understanding if someone is flirting with me. Like, I just don't because I think people are just naturally nice to me because I feel like I'm a nice person. So like, kinda, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Like you attract you know, what you are. So people are always just like very nice to you, but it's never because they're interested in me. And I just feel like, I wonder if that's like something that I missed out on because I was just misreading the signs. Anyways, Gabe is now like a, a photojournalist and he like lives oh, in wow. Greece and, I, and he works with refugees. And I would just love to reconnect with him because he has aged so well. Like he still looks so handsome and gabe it is the time hit yeah. her up oh my god this would be the story of the century yeah, he's still a very attractive man and i tried to shoot my shot like three or four years ago on facebook and he like replied once and then like ghosted me so uh gabe green if you are listening to this please hit me up slide my dms <laughs> it's so funny like when you have a crush and then you find out years later that you're just like oh i was so dense yeah. how did i not know like what and you're like yeah no everyone knew <laughs> see now i'm wondering if a lot more people have liked me in the past than i have thought myself do you ever I'm think sure, that kendra i, I feel like the i feel like <laughs> there's always more people that like you than anyone thinks because think about how many times you shoot your shot versus when you don't you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. and i think that ratio is pretty similar with a lot of people because people are afraid of rejection especially when you're younger yeah that's very true that is very true. Oh, gosh. Okay, do you remember what you were doing? Like, where were you <laughs> in 2008? I also three. have a story, Kendra. Oh, okay, let's hear it. And I, I rarely time. have a story. <laughs> so I was in sixth grade, and so this movie came in January, and this story takes place in, like, May, like, end of sixth grade. And a yeah. major crush on this boy at school 
we were friends. We had a lot of classes together. That's always the way. It's like the one you have all the classes with. You're like, I see you all the time. I like you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I was majorly crushing. So my school, we would have beginning of the year camping trips and then end of the year camping trips some year. So in sixth grade, we had an end of the year one at the Sand Dunes in Colorado. Oh. And at Sand Dunes, he started dating a different girl in, our, in my grade who I didn't really know well at the time. And I was so bummed. And I went home and I listened to Teardrops on My Guitar 42 times that weekend. Oh. And you may be asking, Mercedes, how do you know the exact number? I tallied it. <laughs> I tallied it because so I'd remember because I wanted it to be an accurate depiction in the future movie about my life. That's what I was planning. <laughs> Rich, that is your character. I, yeah. Your character. <laughs> if there's one thing I am, it's cinematic and dramatic. Like, I know. And, like, so many things I'll do, I'm just like, this will be so good. And I just wanted it to be so accurate. And I was like, this would be such a good scene in the movie about my life. Like, I remember planning it out. And I think I wanted to be, like, like perform heartbreak more than I was actually sad. Because it was sixth grade. Like, I don't think I was that distraught. But... I do remember just being a little bummed. Isn't that so funny? Oh my gosh, that's so funny, but also sad. I feel you. Like I feel I feel the younger version of you, the pain that you were in. Mm -hmm. Like middle school crushes honestly just felt like the end of the world. They yeah. really they really did. And I don't know what what gravity or things that we went through at that time that made us feel that way. But they they just really did feel that way. It's just <laughs> feeling things for the first time at that capacity that you're just like, I don't know what to do. And then you're dealing with puberty. So then all these emotions and hormones are happening and you're like, I can't communicate anything. Like, yeah. I don't have the language for this. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, that is so true. Oh. All right, guys, we're going to move over into the Rob Cobb Hall of Fame. But, of yeah. course, Mercedes, we got to roast this movie because this is 2008. So, obviously, there are some things yes. that don't age well. And I have a, I have a big one. Yes. The entire character of Tess. Mm -hmm. Her entire just existence. She mm -hmm. is such a pick-me girl and a narcissist. I'm just going to I'm just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Offensive she, on all accounts. On all I, accounts. Ugh, yeah. I did not like her. And it's just so funny because we didn't have a word for the type of girl that she was back then. But, you know, those girls who are just like, I don't know why women don't like me. Like, I'm yeah, she literally said she's like, I've never had any girlfriends. And I'm like, that's a red flag. Like, yeah. if I meet a woman who like does, has never had any friends who are women, I'm like, something needs to some therapy needs to happen here. Exactly. And she's just like, I'm such a guy's girl. And I'm uh, OK. I'm so behind. But I'm just now on the last episode of Love is Blind season two. <gasps> And she just reminds me of Mallory because Mallory, I feel like, oh is also God. such a pick me girl, right? Okay, I'm glad I detected that. Mallory is such a pick me girl and it drives me insane. But Mallory, she's, when she's like, like, I'm a guy's girl, I was like, yeah. no. Yeah, I, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so annoying. But I also feel like I think she is a grandiose narcissist. I have done a lot of research on one narcissistic personality disorder and then just narcissists in general because there's a psychologist on YouTube I really like. But there are four types of narcissists and the grandiose is the most type. They're just, I just feel like one of the character traits of a grandiose narcissist is they cannot take responsibility. And that is literally one of Jane's lines to Tess. She's just like, you cannot take responsibility for anything. And I was like, yeah, yeah. that's 100% right. She she can't. I just don't understand how you are going to lie your way into a marriage. No. Like, I'll how did she think that was going to end? <laughs> she didn't think about the end at all. She was just thinking about herself. And, like, from the beginning, her, like, first comment to Jane is like, oh, I'm the same age mom was when mom got married. And then immediately she finds this guy who's, like, willing to marry her. 
mm-hmm. and is just hooked on that. Yeah. And then it will do like anything. And then, oh my God, the way she treats Ped- Pedro, yeah. the the boy. Oh yeah. my God, cleaning their apartment. I, I was livid. And just like, I don't know, she has so many horrible qualities. And at the end, it's like nothing was like really redeemed and like no <laughs> lessons were really learned. Like yeah. Jane apologizes to her for mm. taking care of her. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's also too like, we're supposed to like, you know how she gives that whole speech to George at, at Jane's wedding? Yeah. And she's like, I have a roommate. Okay, is that supposed to make you redeemable now that you you live with you, you live with a roommate like what yeah that's not impressive join the club it's not impressive. <laughs> it is not impressive speaking of i just uh, the relationship between jane and tess like i don't fully understand just because i have a sister that i'm not close with but i will say by if we're talking about quotes like my favorite line is when jane says that was yesterday Today you're just some bitch who broke my heart and cut up my mother's wedding dress. Iconic. I, was, I know. I was applauding after she said that. I was like, come on, Jane, come through. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, Jane, come on, say something. Like, stand up for yourself. Like, that, I'm so glad that it finally, like, hit her to, like, say something to her. Yeah, exactly. Like, that was the breaking point. She was just like, yeah. oh, I cannot handle this. Oh, yeah. my God. That was a nightmare. What she did to the dress. Oh, ugh, it was... I know. She was like, I saved you all the other pieces, bitch. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want your scraps. I know. (laughs) So annoying. What was your favorite quote, Mercedes? My favorite quote was after the spectacular Benny and the Jets scene, which is by far the best scene in the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, When James Marsden looks up at Catherine Heigl, smiles that squinty-eyed smile, helps her down from the bar, looks her in the eyes, and is like, I cried like a baby at the Keller wedding. And you're like, my heart stopped. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, I wasn't even at the Keller wedding. I, 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 I cried too. <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right. So Mercedes, if this movie popped up on your Tinder feed, would you swipe left or would you swipe right? I'd swipe right because I'm forever in love with James Marsden and the chemistry during the Benny and the Jet scene is just so good. And I think that's what makes this movie so special is just their chemistry, really. And plus, Judy Greer is BFFing the hell out of this movie. Like, yes. she she knows her job and she does it so well. You understood and, the assignment. Exactly. And what I really do appreciate about this movie is that it's really about Jane growing and learning how to be herself without self, self-sacrificing and going above and beyond for people who probably wouldn't do the same for her. Like, the romance comes second. But it's still really beautiful and it feels yeah. like it makes sense. There's some parts of it that I'm like, okay. But overall, I just like love that it's about Jane's journey. And I appreciate this movie like goes against the grain and really shows Jane's extreme generosity mm-hmm. as a flaw. Where like so many movies, it's shown as such a positive trait. And like women are applauded for going above and beyond for people who probably don't need it. So then it's become this behavior that feels sometimes like conditioned or like a default for some women to have and it's like almost this expectation that like oh you need to be so selfless that it like hurts you almost yeah where here it shows you that that's actually not good for you and being selfish is a positive Mm -hmm. and learning how to say no is important yeah absolutely you know when i think about this movie i love this movie and how i quantify like a good rom-com is one that you could just throw out on a friday night or really any night of the week and it just gives you like a good feeling and i definitely get this from that movie but if we're thinking if we're talking about specific moments that i look for in rom-coms i do think this movie doesn't necessarily hit them for me and i'll explain why i feel like if this were to pop up on my tinder feed i would do that thing where i exit the app and then hope it doesn't pop up back in my in my feed just because i've seen this movie a million times and as much as i love james marsden i have a really hard time with cynics 
It's because I'm a total and complete optimist. I'm also an empath. So I really feel what other people are feeling. And it would be hard for me to feel that many negative emotions consistently, right? Mm -hmm. My ex was a huge cynic and he would just like suck the life out of me. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like cynics really take the energy out of the the room and just like suck all the fun and goodness out of every situation. And so to hear him complain and complain throughout the film is really hard for me. I also wouldn't classify this big moment as like one that stands out in rom-com history. I liked her speech. It was kind of mediocre and the moment didn't get me. Like it didn't make my heart melt like how other rom- like okay like Just Friends like the ending with Ryan Reynolds and Amy's yeah, yeah. That one makes my heart completely melt and that is something that I really look for in rom-coms. I want to feel that like love because that's why that's why I watch them. And I just like I love I love how it ends with all the bridesmaids there for Jane on her big wedding. But also, it's so interesting how we never do a deep dive into any of these friendships that she has. Like, she mentions that she has a lot of close friends, which I can relate to because I have a lot of close friends. That's why I go to so many weddings. But also, like, the only one that we see her with is Casey. We don't see her, like, even talking on the phone to other people or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And they made her seem like she just had no social life. But obviously, she does if all of these people are asking her to be in her wedding. Like, she has a social life. So I would have liked to have seen that more and kind of gotten to know that side yeah. of Jane Moore, you know? Yeah. It feels like most of those friends were really just like she they knew that she'd be good at being a bridesmaid and like yeah. do her jobs and then be like, oh yeah, I'll have you on. Yeah. Like I need you for this. And then she just clung to the feeling of being needed mm. so much. I think we can all relate to that to a certain extent. Yeah. But it's so it's almost like manic the way like she needs that and like she's driven through people being like thanks jane thanks jane yeah and that's just great like i would be exhausted i'd be absolutely life. exhausted <laughs> i could not do it i could not yeah. do it oh gosh Speaking of things we can't do we're gonna move over to couples therapy guys we just like to give dating mm-hmm. advice for the characters just on how they can improve their relationship because mercedes and i are experts at that um yeah haven't you heard i <laughs> know seriously I just feel like Jane, as we all know, just she just needs a backbone. Like I said, I've been going to a lot of weddings recently because all of my friends are getting married. And again, it's killing my bank account. But I feel like more of my money needs to go towards me and not other people. I'm glad she stood up for herself in the end, but I really hope that continues. Like, I also need Jane to stop hiding her wants and desires behind other people. Like, she used weddings as a distraction and... When her and Kevin start having problems, like, I feel like when her and Kevin start having problems in their marriage, I don't want her to look for things as a distraction. I hope they learn how to communicate. I hope they move past, like, passive aggressiveness and they're able to actually verbalize what it is that they need and want. Because communication, I feel like if we could add percentages to what makes a, a, a relationship important, like, communication is, one, like, absolutely over 50% of what makes a healthy relationship. So I just really hope they learn how to communicate properly before it's too late. I also feel like, okay, I'm sorry that I quote Dermot Kennedy so many times on this podcast, (laughs) but he just, he writes the most beautiful lyrics, but I always use this one. But he has a lyric that says, love is not designed for the cynical. And I feel like that line was was written for Kevin. I know that he's been hurt and I know that it probably hurts so badly to watch your fiance leave with your roommate from college. But that is something you cannot carry into another relationship because each person is different. And I just hope that he does not project that hurt and pain of his last relationship onto Jane because she's a good woman. She doesn't deserve that. So I hope that healing happens for him. I love that (laughs) advice. So, so good. My advice is really along the same page. I mean, for Kevin, he is cynical and we know it comes from this major heartbreak. 
Mm -hmm. But I think for him, it's really about just trusting his own feelings and also trusting others that and like trusting that they have like good and genuine intentions, Mm -hmm. which is important for us all. I think both these characters are oddly relatable. They're both two extremes, but I think they are incredibly relatable because one has this deep rooted fear of being hurt. So he has this like really hard exterior. I mean, and like most of his criticisms of the wedding industry, valid, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, but also like, I totally understand, like cynics are completely draining mm-hmm. and it's not fun to be with them 24 seven. And then know. Jane, on the other hand, I think she's really relatable to a lot of specifically women because she's such, she's the very extreme example of self-sacrifice and like toxic selflessness. Mm. And that's never good. So her, she just really needs to continue to take up space for herself mm-hmm. and stopping the extreme caretaking behavior because she needs to stop that so she can evolve. You know, like there's no growing if you're constantly focused on the people around you you know and that doesn't mean you stop caring that means that in order to care for them in a better way you have to care for yourself as well yeah like you have to make yourself a priority in order to like really treat the people that you care about well and she's just so closed off and like doesn't vocalize her needs or her frustrations for so long because she expects the same in return like the same behavior back but the harsh truth is that most people aren't going to return your selfless favors and at least to the same degree that you would you know (laughs) and you can't blame them for that either because you've made it so they don't feel the need to yeah so when you're not putting those boundaries up and putting any expectations out there for the close relationships in your life romantic platonic familial anything Mm. then people are really just going to use you and it's not really their intention either it's not like most people are there to like really suck the life out of you but if you're giving them everything then they think that that's your capacity to give yeah that was so good mercedes you had a lot of good (laughs) good points in there i i want to ask you When you think about what makes a good friend, what qualities come to mind? Ooh, I think a good listener, someone who's honest, but not someone who uses honesty as their default to like be cruel you know those people who are like i'm just honest and yeah you're like, actually you're just rude yeah <laughs> like but i i don't know i think about my closest friendships and they're people who will really like call me out when i am kind of a little like in like a delusional state of being like i'm the victim they're like actually no girl you're not <laughs> let's really think about this and so they'll call me out on things and then but they're also completely supportive of like all of my goals and everything i want to do yeah. And that's so amazing. And I just think a good listener, you know? Yeah. I think of selflessness. And I'm starting to think that way because over the years, I've lost people that I thought were going to be in my life a lot longer. But I also, too, I think what makes a good friend is understanding that there are going to be seasons in your friendship where one person is going to need you, is going to need the other more than they have before. And that won't be forever. That will just last, like I said, for a season. But it's the ability to be there and to have the capacity to be there for that person Mm -hmm. and not have this like tit for tat relationship. I think I'm experiencing that now in a friendship and it's just really hurting me. Like it's just, it's It's exhausting when it feels like 
in order to get anything back, you have to give so much. Exactly. And it shouldn't be like that. And I think also a huge important like aspect of friendship is no is recognizing that these things evolve mm-hmm. and it like ebbs and flows. Like there's this visual online where it shows like the like the shapes of different relationships, like the wavelengths. And friends, it'll be it's like this wave of like coming together at certain points and then spreading apart. And I think of that with like all my closest friends. Like we have had moments where like we're really not talking that often. And it doesn't mean I don't care for them any less. Mm-hmm. It just means like we have separate lives that are happening, you know? And I think that's a huge part of friendships. I think when we're younger, we think, oh, you're my best friend. We have to do everything together. We're inseparable. You understand codependency on a different level once you're growing up and you're like, oh, no, like this is going to ebb and flow just like any healthy relationship should. Yeah, as all healthy relationships too should. And I feel like all healthy relationships too also um, demonstrate your your partner's like love language so if we're thinking about love language in this movie I, I remember mentioning this last week we always need a character whose love language is acts of service because it helps keep the narrative moving forward but i also feel like people who give so much of themselves need that effort and support in return so i would say that jane gives acts of service but she also needs it as well so there's a line that kevin has where he says that she deserves to be taken care of and I love that line. I love that line. And Mercedes, let me tell you, I like broke down this time around. Like I've seen this movie a million times. But when he said that, I broke down because I'm just like really feeling that. I feel like I have been so strong and independent for so long that I'm exhausted. Like I want to be gentle and like calm and in companionship for a little bit. You know, I don't always want to be strong and independent because that's hard. Like, I yeah. I kind of want someone to take care of me right now in my life. And so... Exactly. I, yeah. And that strength and independence doesn't go anywhere. It just mm-hmm. means that you have other people to rely on when you ha- already have these traits, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, it's totally exhausting to be in that position. And I love that Kevin, like, really sees her and sees her selflessness as a flaw too like he's the one who really points it out to her being like this isn't healthy for you where (laughs) other people really use it to their advantage Mm -hmm. and the only two people who really call her out on that are her best friend and kevin Mm -hmm. and that's how you know you have a good friend and that's how you know (laughs) you have a good partner (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly no i would say kevin gives quality time 100 Mm -hmm. but needs words of affirmation i feel like he's always liked being around jane that's why he's always showing up where she is and yeah. with cynics, sometimes they need to hear those words like, I love you. I care about you. I'm not going anywhere. But they also need to see actions behind those words. So they need a lot of reassurance. So I think Kevin needs words of affirmation and acts of service as well. That's so interesting because I flipped it because I was like, he's he obviously gives words of affirmation. Like she fell for him on paper because he's a writer, mm. you know, like she was already swooning for him long before they met and I think the fact that he is so good with his words and really like can tell her tough stuff you know and calls her out on her behavior and she does the same for him but I think she just needs that because it means that he really sees her and he's really pointing it out to her and I think no one ever does that people just let her go and they're like okay bye so that's that's what I really like about them you know like and then I think he needs quality time because the more that they spend time together, the more he's hanging out, he definitely gets way more comfortable. Like when they're trying on dresses mm-hmm. and she's really starting to open up and you can tell that that's something that hasn't happened to her in a while. You mm-hmm. can tell he pulls back because he's getting so comfortable with this woman who 
essentially he's using at this point in the story <laughs> for his own journalistic goals. But yeah, I think he I think he's almost a little scared of how comfortable he is with her through quality time. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like this couple lasts in five years? What do you think? I think they do. They balance each other out so well. They have great yeah. chemistry. That's something that's important in, in any rom-com leads, you know? Mm-hmm. And Kevin really sees Jane's self-sacrificing as an unhealthy trait and helps her realize that it's not okay and practices that with her. And I think that's just so important because he's not interested in her because of what she'll do for him, but it's because of who she is. And he helps her show how her selfishness can be beneficial. Mm-hmm. And I think she also shows him another side to, I don't know, just the opposite of cynicism, you know, which I don't think he had ever had to confront before. Yeah. Your, his guy friends weren't ever going to do that for him. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And all I will say, all I will add to that is, if they can remain honest in their feelings for each other, I would say, yes, they, they yeah. can last in five years. But that's all they need. That's all they need. All right, guys. Heartthrob. 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 Yes. <laughs> I love. OK, this is one of my favorite sections because I love hearing from you, Mercedes. Who of this cast would you take home and introduce to your friends and family? Hello, Kevin. I love <laughs> Kevin Doyle. He's a writer. He's charming. He's mm-hmm. grouchy, which yeah. I love. I love the grouchy boy. And he's hot. Yeah. <laughs> and it, Jane is so right when she calls him sexy, when she's like listing all his annoying qualities and she's just like, and then you're just so sexy. And he's like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yes, Call me sexy. you are. <laughs> no lies detected there. Yeah. You know, I got to switch it up on you, Mercedes, as I do. God. I'm taking George home in, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. He's not my type at all. I'm not about this vegan vegetarian life. I'm not outdoorsy. I do love pets, but Edward Burns is so sexy to me. His voice, it's like that kind of like raspiness about it. Mm -hmm. I just, I just love it. I want him to just talk and like read stories to me and just like whisper in my ear all the time but also he's aging like fine wine he has aged so well so um that is gnarly to me because i have zero probably negative percent attraction to this man (laughs) i'm so sorry edward parents (laughs) you are not it for me so this is shocking oh my gosh but i also i love i love his character he's so he's so sweet i don't like how he literally fell in love with someone he doesn't even know, but that's kind of a red flag. But still, <laughs> I don't like how he, I don't know, had to test out his chemistry with Jane at the end. Like, I was like, we didn't need that scene mm. of them in the office because he really does use her and was just like, oh, yeah, you're always there when I need you. And that's what clicks in her head of being like, no, actually, I'm not. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. <laughs> okay. Mary Smooch goes, Mercedes. Who are you marrying? Who are you smooching? And who are you ghosting? I'm clearly marrying Kevin. Clearly. I'm in love with him. Clearly. <laughs> Honestly, I think I'd smooch the taxi driver and then I'd ghost George. Mmm. Okay, that's a, that's a tough one. <laughs> this is, okay, this is just going off of how Kevin acted for the majority of the movie. I'm going to marry George. I'm going to smooch Ziggy the taxi driver and I'm going to ghost Kevin. I know. Oh, my I know. God. Like I said, Mercedes, when I say that I can't do cynics, I will never interact with another cynic ever again if I could help it. It's the way that you feel completely empty at the end of a conversation with a cynic. And I hate that feeling. It literally takes so much out of me. I don't know if I could do it with Kevin. I really don't. 
I feel like I don't know any true cynics because I've been trying to think about it through this. And even the way that they described Kevin, I was like, I don't think you're a cynic. I think mm. you're just hurt and you yeah. haven't been able to get over it because you won't go to therapy. <laughs> yeah, but like that's the that's the whole thing is like how many people are unwilling to go to therapy and get help. If you'd like to meet a cynic, Mercedes, I'm happy to introduce you to my ex because you will <laughs> see what I'm saying. It's 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 rough in those streets. Like, <laughs> All right, guys, before we wrap it up, we always love to bring in a pop culture moment. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's funny. I was reading about James Marsden, obviously, and I just think it's funny how people still come up to him talking about The Notebook, which happened mm-hmm. like it, 18 years ago, was it? Yeah, 2004. 2004. And they're still going out to be like, I'm Team Lawn. <laughs> I know right is that so cute you know what's great in this movie he's finally the guy who gets the girl and in like Enchanted he's not in The the Notebook he's not Uh, we're happy for you (laughs) (laughs) what do you have oh my gosh so Melora Hardin who plays Kevin's editor so she also plays the editor in chief in The Bold Type the Freeform show and I kept thinking about how these things must exist in the same universe like this is canon now because she's an editor in one and then editor-in-chief like and then the bull time came out like years later so that would have been her promotion anyway oh amazing that's so cool that you think like that that is really cool i would have no that's awesome i also too i'm really looking forward to uh the sequel to enchanted disenchanted we talked about this last week but it's coming out soon and i'm just i'm really looking forward to i'm excited to see how they spin that and it was filmed in your favorite country stop stop Ah. my whole heart just exploded thank you for that (laughs) but listeners we want to hear from you what do you guys think about 27 dresses do you guys go to a lot of weddings are you happy that Jane finally developed a backbone? Do you like the fact that Kevin is a cynic? Make sure to slide into our DMs at Meet Cute. Again, I'm Kendra. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Ken10Hollywood. Yes, and I've been Mercedes. You can find me at MercedesGB11 on IG, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you're looking for new rom-coms, follow Meet Cute wherever you listen to podcasts and follow Meet Cute on socials everywhere. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.